0: on the field inside the clubhouse and everything in between this is brewers weekly
1: here's dominic catronio hey welcome in it's the last show of 2022 for brewers weekly thanks for making me a part of your year thanks for clicking or tuning in live here on wtmj i'm dominic catronio it's been a heck of a year we're gonna get sappy a little bit later on in the show but uh, first of all, welcome back. We haven't had a show in two weeks. Stepped aside last week, not only for the holiday, but for the winter storm that rolled through. So we're all good. Uh, this Also, this episode is pre-recorded. So if you're listening live here on WTMJ Tonight, I am probably 35,000 feet above you, and it's because I'm not flying southwest. Low blow, maybe, but hey, uh, we are not live tonight because I'm on my way back to Wisconsin. Uh, I spent the last few days, spent the holidays, Down in Phoenix, Arizona. I also was here for the Badger Bowl game. So... Shout out to uh, Wisconsin defeating Oklahoma State. Got to work with the one, the only Matt Matt LaPay once again. So that was a whole lot of fun to be his spotter. And uh, really, really good times down here in the Valley. And uh, excited to get back home where I know things have been uh, warmer. I saw that that today's high was 60 degrees at one point. So that's pretty nifty for me to bring that back. And uh, I got to miss all the brunt of it. So call me soft. That's totally fine. I am. What we're going to talk about today, we're going to go... A little bit around the horn, because let's be honest, even though we haven't had a show in two weeks, nothing's really happened in Brewers land, you know? I mean, nothing major. I mean, we we hit last week, two weeks ago, right when the Owen Miller deal went down, Uh, the Wilson Contreras, or William Contreras deal had already happened, Uh, Wilson had already been signed with the Cardinals, so there's a lot of other things that we have to get to, we can talk Carlos Correa, I do want to spend some time on the Cubs in this episode today. I also have a new video out on my YouTube page. It's just Dom Brewers, WTMJ, uh, on Willie Adams' defense. More on that coming up here in this episode today as well. Uh, we're going to have some fun with the 2022. Do you remember that this happened for the Brewers? Uh, and finally, we'll make some resolutions and get ready to say goodbye and welcome in 2023. I just want to start with with a, a rapid rundown here. So again, it's been two weeks and nothing's really happened in regards to the Brewers. But a lot has happened around Major League Baseball in these last two weeks. So I'm going to run down the transaction page of notable ones and a few that, you know, maybe former Brewers, for instance, are on this list. Uh, I'm just going to run down the transaction page right now of everything that's happened in baseball since we last had a show. All right. And we're gonna go in order here as well. Okay. I'm not gonna go by I'm not gonna say what day it is, but we're just going in order. Since the last time we had a show. All right, buckle up. Are you ready? There's a lot of names and new places. I don't expect you to remember all of this, but uh, I hope you smile and like, oh my yeah, that happened. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed that. Because look, the holidays are tough for everybody. Not everybody remembers everything at one time. Let's get going. Brad Boxberger is a Cub now. Carlos Rodon is a Yankee now. Adam Frazier is an Oriole now. And Omar Narvaez is a Met now. So that was just in the first day after that we had posted that show. Jeter Downs, you may not recognize that name. Jeter Downs was DFA'd by the Red Sox. Who's Jeter Downs? He was the prime prospect piece of the Mookie Betts trade with the Dodgers a couple of years ago. So he's now been DFA'd. Uh, elsewhere, Trevor May is leaving the Mets. He's now an Oakland A. They made a free agency signing. Joey Gallo is now a twin. Andrew Benintendi is now a White Sox. Eric Hosmer was DFA'd by the, by the Red Sox. He's also now cleared waivers. J.D. Martinez is a Dodger. Dansby Swanson is a cub. More on that in the next segment. Michael Brantley stayed with the Astros. Remember, he missed the entire second half due to injury. Justin Turner is now a Red Sox. Uh Pedro Severino, you may recognize the name. He signed a minor league deal with the Padres who was supposed to be the Brewers' backup catcher in 2022. Got popped for 80 games for PEDs. It was nice knowing you, Pedro. He's now on a minor league deal in San Diego. Speaking of San Diego, Matt Carpenter is on a one-year deal with the Padres now. See if he keeps the mustache. Adam Adovino stayed with the Mets on a two-year deal. Brandon Drury, who was maybe a Brewers' target until they signed Owen Miller. Drury is now an angel. Is Carlos Correa or is Carlos Correa not a New York Met? More on that later as well. Mario Feliciano was DFA'd by the Brewers and then claimed off waivers by the Detroit Tigers. Will Myers is now a Red. Moose, Mike Moustakas, was DFA'd by the Reds. Drew Smiley re-signed with the Cubs. Dalton Varsho was traded to the Blue Jays, who traded back Lotus Gurriel Jr. and their top catching prospect to acquire the former Milwaukee Panther. Taylor Rogers, no longer a Brewer. He signed with the Giants and is now teammates with his twin brother. Craig Kimbrell is now a Philly. The Rangers signed Nate Valdy. Rich Hill is on his 13th team. He's now with the Pirates. The Braves extended Sean Murphy to another extraordinarily team-friendly deal. Gene Segura is now a Marlin. Corey Kluber is now a Red Sox. And Trevor Bauer's suspension was reduced. He is immediately eligible after serving 192 games of a suspension. Okay, you got all that? A quizie at the end of the show. Just kidding. So, I mean, a lot's gone down, even though we talk about, oh, winter meetings is where it always happens. All of this has happened since the winter meetings has ended and here at the end of the calendar year. And it may not feel like it, but I promise you, spring training is right around the corner, y'all. Heck, opening day is right around the corner. We are three months away from opening day. Three months, 90 days. It is going to be here in the blink of an eye down at Wrigley. Brewers Cubs starting the, the the season on the road down there on the north side. That's just ninety days away, bonkers, right? And heck, spring training is going to be here in the blink of an eye. Pitchers and catchers are probably going to be reporting in the next still oh, forty five days or so. So really, you got to get in the gym, dog. You know, get get your weight up, get get back in the gym, get working. So hopefully, that's one of your New Year's resolutions. Uh, we got a lot of baseball to talk about coming up in 2023 so that's just a rundown of everything that's happened since we last spoke let's talk more about Dan's swanson let's talk more about those northsiders who the brewers will be opening their season with coming up next thanks for locking in here on the home of the brewers 620 wtmj this is brewers weekly this
0: is brewers weekly on wtmj
1: welcome back in happy thursday night the last show of 2023 i'm dominic Catronio. i want to take a moment let's talk about those darn Cubs, because they've had a very interesting offseason. We're also going to spend a little bit of time on the Brewers here in this segment about what's going on. Let's have some rational takes here. Let's not lose our minds. But I want to be completely honest with you. I think the Cubs had a really good offseason. And I want to be just totally cordial and totally honest with you guys, because I know there are a lot of folks that are mad about... Why haven't the Brewers signed a Major League free agent? Or why aren't they signing an extension to any of these guys? And for a long time, the counter to that was, well, the Cubs aren't spending money. Why should the Brewers? But the Cubs finally started spending money this offseason, which may be a signal that the Brewers need to take things a little more seriously here in these next few weeks. Granted, I don't know how much room there is on this roster to toy with. More on that a little bit here in this segment. But let's just recap what the off season has been for the Cubs? Obviously, the headline just happened last week: signing Dansby Swanson to a seven year deal, a virtually identical contract to the one that they signed to Jason Hayward. I mean, it writes itself. Former top prospect coming up with the Braves, hometown kid has a great you know run with Atlanta. Doesn't end up signing an extension. Signs a free agent deal to go to the Cubs, and of course, Jason Hayward now. They decided to part ways. They are you know, eating the money on the last year of his contract this coming year. So we'll see if that happens for Dansby Swanson. But this was the big need for them. They needed to figure out shortstop. And I bet they're really happy they have Dansby Swanson right now as opposed to dealing with the Carlos Correa mess. Because I thought I was mentally ready that Carlos Correa was going to be a Cub. I thought it was a perfect fit. That ballpark works great for him. He could be the shortstop. He's got a great second baseman paired with him there. Dansby Swanson, just as good, probably better, actually, defensively than Carlos Correa. So this really works out defense-wise for Chicago. They were one of the better defending teams in baseball a season ago. So keep that in mind as you look ahead to 2023. But what else did the Cubs do? This year, well, a couple of things that flew under the radar. I mentioned it a moment ago that Drew Smiley re-signed on a two-year deal. We know how the Brewers feel about left-handed pitching, but Drew Smiley, somebody that can give them some important innings down the stretch, can give them some bulk frames as well. Their rotation has really shored up with some veterans now as well. They've re-signed him. They've also added Jameson Taillon, four-year deal for the 31-year-old free agent. I, I had to do a double take that. Tyone's only 31 years old. It feels like he's been in the league forever, but he had a great year with the Yankees this past year. 177 innings, the most innings he's thrown since 2018. He beat testicular cancer. He's a great story. Seems like he's back stronger than ever. He doesn't strike out the world, but he doesn't walk anybody either. He's got great command, great control. The Brewers are going to see plenty of Jamison Tyone now here in 2023. But also, a couple of other moves that I really liked that they did was they signed Tucker Barnhart. Now, yes, they lose Wilson Contreras. They lose a lot of offense there. But Tucker Barnhart is usually about an average, league average bat, especially for a catcher. But furthermore, he really helps out defensively for them. Because we've talked a lot about how maybe both Contreras' William and Wilson are bat-first type catchers. Yes, they have good arms. But they're terrible framers. They're not the best blockers in the world. Tucker Barnhart's a two time gold glover. Last season with Detroit, obviously a ginormous ball yard. He wasn't Uh, playing a ton. He only had 308 plate appearances last season. Only hit one home run. He can blame that on Detroit as well. He spent a long time with Cincinnati. But he can be somebody going to be probably the primary catcher for them. They still have Jan Gomes on the roster. They still have P.J. Higgins as well, who's more of a utility guy. He can play the corners and he can catch. But Tucker Barnhart being their primary catcher, they're exchanging some offense for some defense there. And I think that's a good little pickup since they knew they weren't going to re-sign Wilson Contreras. Uh, Furthermore, what else did they do Did the Cubs do? They took a flyer on Cody Bellinger. I'm a Cody Bellinger apologist. And I know that may, you know, chastise me here in this town after 2018 and everything. But look, I've seen Cody Bellinger for a long time. In fact, we played high school baseball against each other down here in Arizona. So I know Cody can turn it around. And I know that a lot of folks say, (laughs) No way, Dom. Come on. What are you thinking? Look, the Venn diagram of people that believe in Cody Bellinger and believe in Christian Yelich isn't a Venn diagram. I think it's a circle. I believe that Christian Yelich can get better. I'm not saying either one of these guys are probably not going to get back to MVP stature, but I think they can both be above league average hitters that can, you know, have, have a Fresh start, if you will, for Cody Bellinger. Now for Christian Yelich, he finally has a regular offseason to go into as well. I'm looking forward to that for yelly too. I think the Belly Yelly show should be better. It won't be like 2018, 2019. Goodness, no. But I think we'll have a little more fun with the Belly Yelly show heading into 2023 because I think Bellinger's due for a bounce back. He needed a fresh start. He's still a freak athlete. He locks down center field for them. And he can even play first base on occasion as well. I I, I really like that pickup. Was it an overpay? Maybe $17 million, But hey, you're paying for what he's done, not what he's going to do, which is how it works in baseball. And shoot, with the money that was handed out this year, uh, nothing surprises me anymore. So they took a flyer on Bellinger. Uh, like I said, I already mentioned that they're bringing back Smiley. But their rotation looks like this heading into 2023. Marcus Stroman and Kyle Hendricks are still going to be the anchors of that rotation. Then you got Jamison Tyone and Drew Smiley. And don't forget about Justin Steele. Justin Steele had a really solid season. He's only 27 years old. He shoved it against the Brewers a couple of times. Well, because he's left-handed. I know you see the record, 4-7, and seven, only 119 innings in his first full season in the show. But he strike, struck out better than an a batter per nine innings, 9.53 strikeouts per nine. His ERA was only 3.18, yet his FIP was almost identical. His FIP was 3.20, really darn good. Uh, well above league average as far as war goes, especially for a rookie pitcher, a 2.6 war on fan graphs. This kid could really develop into something big. They want to cut down the walks for him, though, of course. The Brewers were not fans of facing him last season. They've got an interesting rotation with a mix of veterans like Stroman and Hendricks and Smiley and this young gun like Steele, and they're getting some health on the way, and their farm system is starting to reload. I think the Cubs are certainly a threat to the Brewers. They should be flirting with, if not past, 500 this season. Because remember, last year, I know you're thinking, Dom, they won 74 games last year. But there were 39 and 31 after the break. There were eight games over 500 in the second half. A solid team and they won the season series against the Brewers. So there's definitely plenty to be worried about, to be concerned about. The good news is you're only going to face them 13 times this year as opposed to 19 times with the new schedule. So that's going to change some things for the Central, and that's going to change some things moving forward as far as the balance of power. Remember we talked about in 2021 how the Brewers beat up on the Cubs, beat up on the Pirates, beat up on the bottom feeders. You're going to lose, let's say, you know, 12 to 18 games against bottom feeders in your division you know they're not going to have as many games against the Pirates they're not going to have as many games against the Reds so that's 12 games right there but the positive is you are going to get you know three games against the A's you are going to get three games against the Royals you're still going to get games against bad teams you're still going to get the Nationals of course in your league but you're going to have fewer within your division that could make a difference moving forward I mentioned I want to talk about the Brewers and their offseason. More on that coming up here after the break, and we're going to talk a little bit about Willie Adamas' defense as well. Thanks for tuning in. Again, this is a pre-taped episode of Brewers Weekly. Uh, thanks for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore Catronio, D-O-M underscore C O T R O N E O. Also, you can follow my new Instagram account. That is all Brewer-centric, Dom Brewers WTMJ. That simple, at Dom Brewers WTMJ. All right, let's, let's talk about the team. Let's talk about the Brewers now. We've talked enough about the Cubs. Let's talk about the team this show is actually supposed to be about. Looking back at the major moves and the major happenings of this offseason so far, just because we're heading into 2023 does not mean the season or the offseason and the stove suddenly goes cold. I mean, things can certainly still happen in January, even in February as well. Some of the big stuff that happened so far here in the offseason, of course, is a lot of departures for the Brewers. And as we've noted already, the Brewers are the one of the only teams to have not signed a major league free agent this season. I'm going to explain that here in a second. But notable departures here for the Brewers. Jace Peterson, he's now in Oakland A. Taylor Rogers, he's now a giant. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal is still a free agent. Who knows what the heck his saga is going to look like. Omar Darvaez is now a New York Met. Josh Lindblom is now a free agent. Andrew McCutcheon is still a free agent. Trevor Gott is now a Seattle Mariner. Del Gustave and Luis Perdomo were also non-tendered, and they are no longer Milwaukee Brewers. Also, Colton Wong was traded to the Seattle Mariners. Brad Boxberger's club option was declined. He is now a Cub. Also, in return, though, of these trades, the Brewers added some big pieces, including most notably William Contreras in the three team deal with the Braves and the A's a couple of weeks ago. So, William Contreras is the headliner uh, as far as the big prize of this offseason for the Brew Crew. They've also acquired local product, Owen Miller. Shout out to Owen, coming back home. Uh, He's an Ozaki High grad. uh, Played baseball growing up here as well. Basketball player as well. His little brother also playing in the Twins organization too. So maybe a border battle in the future. Mentioned that in two weeks ago's episode as well. So Owen Miller was acquired from the Guardians for a player to be named later. He looks to fill this utility role that is vacated by Jace Peterson. Also acquired Jesse Winker as part of that Colton Long deal. Brewers are banking on a balance back year for Winker. Also acquired another utility player in Abraham Toro. They've added a bunch of different arms, whether they're big leaguers or minor leaguers, trying to figure out what they have to fill some roles in their bullpen. Guys like Elvis Piguero, Jansen Junk, Adam Seminaris as part of the Hunter Renfro deal, another departure for the Brewers this offseason. They've also acquired Yoel Pioms from the Oakland A's as part of that three-team William Contreras deal. Justin Yeager is a prospect acquired in that deal, too. I have a video on Pioms and Yeager on the YouTube page, Dom Brewers WTMJ on YouTube. You can check that out as well. More on the Willie Adams thing in a second, too. But let me get into folks ranting about the free agency thing. Look, I'm with you. I understand the frustration when you hear that. The Brewers have not signed a major league free agent. But let's be honest. After all these trades and after all this movement, a lot of folks are realizing, well, if you want the kids to play, if you want to bring up these young studs, they got to play somewhere. And that's what Matt Arnold has made very clear. They believe... In the young outfielders on their way up. The Sal Freelicks of the world. The Joey Weimers of the world. Already saw Garrett Mitchell up last season. And they trade Este Uri Ruiz feeling like, you know what? Maybe he was never meant to be a fit here. And they flipped Este Uri Ruiz to get three guys back. Like, that's a heck of a fleece by Matt Arnold, in my opinion. We've talked about that plenty at this point. But you look at what the Brewers could look like. And vacancies. There really weren't that many vacancies for the Brewers. And they've never been a team that's going to spend money blindly. And I know you're frustrated, and I know you want to say, look, they got to spend money. There is no guarantee that spending money is going to get you a World Series title. Yes, you should be in the top 10. The Brewers are never going to be in the top 10. But the Brewers have to be smart with their cash because with all this saga with Carlos Correa, we're going to talk about him in the next segment, all this saga around him, kind of went through it a little bit last year with Christian Yelich, right? Talking about his back, Talking about, oh, no, they're in this long-term deal with him. This is why you do your due diligence. This is why you take your time now to see if you really are a fit for a free agent. Now, I'm not blaming the Brewers for signing Christian Yelich. I will go down in history, put it on my stone, saying the Brewers did the right thing by signing Christian Yelich in 2020. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. The point is, you were excited. I was excited. I thought it made sense. The Brewers finally did it. They sign the superstar soon-to-be free agent. That's something they just didn't do. So they still have to be smart with their cash. And I am still going to hold out hope until I'm proven otherwise that they are going to keep at least one of these three guys of Woodruff, Burns, and Adamas. If I had to pick, I would pick Woodruff and Adamas if I had a choice. Let Burns walk. Let it ride for these next two years. But the point I'm trying to make about free agency, just because the Brewers didn't sign a free agent doesn't mean they didn't acquire anybody. Jesse Winker is going to be your new DH. No more Andrew McCutcheon. You're still going to have some utility roles out of Owen Miller and out of Abraham Toro. They're younger and cheaper than Jace Peterson. They're also healthier and they probably can give a little more with the bat than Jace Peterson did. And let's be honest, they're still going to be looked to as bench players. Bryce Terang is on the way up. He is slotted for second base. And if for some reason they don't feel Bryce is ready for second base, Owen Miller is probably going to be your opening day second baseman. Or maybe Miller is going to play third base and Arias is going to play second. There is not a lot of vacancy on this team right now, aside from catcher and blink. They go get William Contreras just because they didn't sign free agents. Doesn't mean they didn't add to the team. Is this team better than 2022's version? I don't know yet. I think the bullpen, there are some serious question marks The starting rotation. If it's healthy, it's still one of the top six or seven in the league. Uh, I would also say that the infield is going to play some great defense. I'm really excited to see Adamus again. I made a whole video about that as well. More on that in a second. Uh, I wonder what they're going to do with William Contreras behind the plate. The outfield's going to have some wheels with Garrett Mitchell. Uh, with also figuring out what you want to do with Tyrone Taylor and Sal Freelich and Joey Weimer. And oh by the way, Jackson Churio's coming, so he's probably going to start the year in High A or Double A. And who knows? He could. Some analysts are saying he could be in the big leagues by the end of the year. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, but. That'd be awesome, but more about this coming year and who to look to. I can't wait to see a bounce back year at the plate from Willie Adamas because he brings it with the glove every night, and you can, I go a little more in-depth. I just sit back and watch Willie Adamas play some defense on the new video on YouTube. Again, that's Dom Brewers WTMJ on YouTube. Just search that. Made a whole Willie Adamas breakdown and defensive highlight reel for him. Top six in outs above average among shortstops in all of baseball last season. He, has, he saved 10 outs above average compared to the rest of the league. That's really darn good. Sixth out of 37 qualified shortstops. If you want to enjoy that video, go check it out again on YouTube. That's Dom Brewers, WTMJ. You can find that there. I also tweeted it as well. Plenty more to talk about with Willie Adamas. and More videos like that will be coming throughout the offseason as we are less than 100 days away. We are three months away from opening day, y'all. Three months! Crazy. All right, we got more to talk about. Let's talk about Carlos Correa now, shall we? It has been an elephant in the room. (laughs) Stay with us. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Hey, welcome back. Who knows what Carlos Correa is doing right now? Um, Is he moving? Is he staying in Houston? Is he going to Minnesota? Is he going to San Francisco? Is he going to New York? There is a lot to figure out with Carlos Correa. Uh, maybe the brewer is just going to swoop in and sign him to a one-year deal. You know, I saw Foolish Baseball, who's a very funny baseball YouTuber. Highly recommend his stuff, by the way, too. He's very insightful, very smart. That's uh, kind of the inspiration of what my brewer's angle is with the YouTube channel. Uh, Did a funny Photoshop of Carlos Correa as an Oakland A on a one-year deal. That would be hilarious. So in case you're unaware, here's what's going on with Carlos Correa. Initially signed, or no, I should never say signed, actually, Carlos Correa agreed in principle to a 13-year deal with the San Francisco Giants right at the end of the winter meetings. And everyone's like, wow, longest deal ever, Uh, one of the richest contracts ever for a position player. This is bonkers. But hey, the Giants are for real. They want to spend some money this offseason. They're in it to win it. And then the day that he was supposed to be introduced, he was already dressed in the hotel room, ready to go to the introductory press conference when... We learned that it would not be that they saw something in his physical. We've learned it has to do with a plate in his ankle and an injury that he sustained back when he was in the minor leagues. But there's something concerning about that plate, something that the Giants team doctor felt, eh, we maybe shouldn't sign up for this long or for this much money. And there was a saga that ensued with Scott Boris, his agent, talking to the Giants, saying you have until this deadline to decide if you want to keep them or not. They missed that deadline. And then that night, word got out to Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, who was on vacation in Hawaii, and texted Scott Boris, and they agreed in principle to a deal with the New York Mets in the midnight hour. But now, in the last week, right before Christmas, we learned the Mets now have an issue with Carlos Correa's physical they had signed into a shorter deal or were planning on signing him to a shorter deal for 10 years as opposed to 13 years. But now they, too, are concerned with Carlos Correa's physical. And since right before Christmas, we have heard nothing from either side about this deal. This is kind of crazy. So a reminder, every free agent deal, every trade, you always hear the phrase pending a physical. Normally, it just feels like a formality and... You know, teams exchange medical records. That's not like anyone's keeping a secret from anybody here. But the point is that everyone was making fun of the Giants for, oh my goodness, you really found something wrong with this 13-year deal. And of course, there's going to be no one's perfect, all this stuff. But now to have a second team validate that, Farhan Zaidi's got to be feeling great about himself right now. He's like, you know what? We made the right call. We weren't the only ones that were concerned about this. But what do you do? If you're Steve Cohen and if you're the Mets, and look, Steve Cohen, he's been throwing his money around as he can. He's the owner of the Mets. And maybe some owners are afraid of what he's doing. I don't care personally. I mean, he's got the money. He made this clear from the jump when he was trying to buy the team. I am a Mets fan. I'm going to run the team like a fan. And I know what you're thinking. Mark Adanasio is still a fan of the Brewers. I will defend him on this. Just because his pockets aren't as deep as Steve Cohen's, does not mean he does not want to spend money to help the team win. I digress. Steve Cohen was quoted in the New York Post about how this is the piece we wanted. And we the money's just money. We want to make sure it happens. And now to have all this come down, Scott Boris is like, look, man, you're already in print saying you wanted this guy. And now you suddenly want to back out and change the deal. And it, it just feels very interesting. Because sitting at the end of the altar here, or the Minnesota Twins, who originally offered Carlos Correa $285 million for 10 years. And he rejected that. Obviously got more money from the Giants in principle. That didn't happen. Got more money from the Mets in principle. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. What do the Twins do? What Are they just going to sit there and wait for Carlos to call back and say, like, hey, we're still adding to the team, ready to compete in a very weak division. Yes, Cleveland won it last year, but, you know, the White Sox, who knows what the heck they're doing. Their pitching still has a lot of concerns. Uh, The Royals aren't ready to compete yet. The Tigers certainly aren't ready to compete yet. So the Twins and the Guardians can really make things interesting if they were to get Carlos Correa back. So, man, what a saga this is. Will it be resolved by the new year? I don't think it will be, quite frankly. I think they're going to take the new year off and then reconvene next week and say, all right, do we want Correa or not? Because this is still, in my opinion, the top free agent in this class, you know, excluding Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is his own class, and I don't think anybody's surprised that he's staying put with the Yankees, and he's now the captain of the Yankees. Carlos Correa could go to any lineup right now and make the team better. Any lineup, in my opinion. He's that good of a player. He's that smart of a player. I've heard great things about him in the clubhouse. I think he is a bona fide superstar. With that being said... How long is he gonna sign for? This is incredible stuff. You're gonna this is gonna be something that at this time in twenty twenty three, looking back on the year, wherever Carlos ends up, we'd be like, hey, remember when Carlos was signed but wasn't signed for like two weeks straight? Man, wild. Speaking of that kind of stuff. We're going to go down memory lane here in the next segment. We're going to talk about you remember this wacky stuff that happened, not only for the Brewers, but around Major League Baseball. Stay with us. This is Brewers Weekly. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this.
2: Tom Nichols with Meisner, Tierney, Fisher, and Nichols. Sometimes it helps to
0: see around corners. That's true in business and tax law, and I'm sure it's true in your business. At Meisner, Tierney, Fisher, and Nichols, our unique ability to do that can have a big impact on your bottom line. Recently, Actions spoke louder than words. Applying our cutting-edge familiarity with current tax law, we helped pass Wisconsin Act 368, which now provides S-Corps, LLCs, and other pass-through entities an opportunity for significant tax savings and can lead to a solid bump in your business's after-tax net income. High integrity and earned respect have been hallmarks of our firm for quite some time. We've been representing businesses here in Wisconsin for over 170 years. And partnering with a firm that can help you see around corners will help you chart a course
1: for your business that leads to long-term success.
2: Good clients deserve good lawyers. Meisner, Tierney, Fisher & Nichols. MTFN.com.
0: If you need a place for new home interior ideas, then you have to come talk to us. Our on-staff decorators know furniture, home decor, and a lot more. And they're not only creative, but also very willing to help you make great choices. This is Katie with Design Exchange, where discerning buyers with discriminating taste come to find premium home decor at a value. Design Exchange in Heartland and Pewaukee. Stop in often, because our inventory changes daily.
2: Design Exchange
0: Previously, it has been gently loved. But here, you'll only find very well-conditioned premium home decor items that you likely won't find elsewhere. Distinctive furniture, unique antiques and original art, and other tasteful home decor at a value. This is Katie with Design Exchange, where discerning buyers with discriminating tastes come to find premium home decor on consignment at 25 to 40% off retail prices in Heartland and Pewaukee.
2: Design Exchange
0: If you're 50 or older or live with a chronic condition, untreated COVID could be deadly. So, got COVID symptoms this holiday season? Talk to a doctor and get treated right away. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
2: There's no doubt that a better night's sleep makes for better days. And a top-quality Milwaukee mattress helps make it happen. When you buy your new mattress from Ken Michaels Furniture, you're assured of a mattress made just for you, out of the finest materials right from our factory. We make every style, size, and firmness of mattress imaginable. And with our factory direct prices, you will save hundreds of dollars. Milwaukee Mattresses from Ken Michaels Furniture in Brookfield, Greenfield, or downtown Milwaukee, where better days come from a great night's sleep. Are you getting enough support when you sleep? Feeling pressure on your shoulders, back, or hips? Our natural latex Milwaukee mattress contours and supports your body without causing excessive pressure points. It's made with multiple layers of natural rubber, some for support and some for pressure reduction. And by topping it with a 100% Joma Wool quilt, you stay comfortable whatever the temperature is. Test rest our natural latex Milwaukee mattress at Ken Michaels Furniture in Brookfield, Greenfield, or downtown Milwaukee. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ.
1: We're with you here to the top of the hour on Brews Weekly. This is a pre-taped show this week, so my apologies for using the talk and text line. We'll be back live coming up next week and throughout the rest of the offseason. I'm Dominic Catronio. Let's take a look back at 2022. Now, we remember the obvious stuff like walk-offs and you know, big performances and other crazy stuff, but if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, you should. Uh, they have sales going on all the time. I think it's like a dollar Right now, like, come on, it's a dollar. Subscribe to The Athletic if you don't already. And you get to read Jason Stark. He's the best. I love reading Jason Stark. I'm going to get into some of his oddities that he re-earthed from the 2022 season. But I want to start with some Brewers oddities. And I got three here that you may have forgotten about. Number one, Pablo Reyes threw the slowest called strike in Brewers pitch tracking history. Remember this? You may not remember it because, first of all, it was a blowout game. Obviously, a position player pitching for the Brewers. Never a good sign. But also, it was in the West Coast. It was against the Dodgers. So, maybe you weren't even awake at that point. Pablo Reyes threw a ball 39 miles an hour in the bottom of the eighth inning against the Dodgers. It was against Chris Taylor. It was a beautiful little lollipop. Got it, called a strike. That was hilarious. It's still one of my most viewed... Uh, videos on Twitter from the season, just silly little it was like twelve to two, I think at that point or something, but that was hilarious uh it wasn't the slowest ever called strike in the pitch tracking era that was from a couple of years ago that was Brock Holt with the Texas Rangers back in twenty nineteen so uh remember that pretty fun, big old slow pitch lollipop uh Pablo Reyes, the slowest pitch ever in Brewers pitch tracking history I should say slowest called strike ever in Brewers. Pitch tracking history. Second thing you may have forgotten about Chichi Gonzalez pitched in four games for the Brewers this year. Who's Chichi Gonzalez? Exactly, journeyman. Uh, he even started two games and he did his job. He didn't get a win in either one of them, but uh, Chichi Gonzalez, he, he did a role. In fact, he even pitched for the Yankees this year too. He bounced all over the place in 2022, but you may have forgotten in midsummer when the Brewers were dealing with injuries to uh, Freddy Peralta, uh, dealing with a sore arm, a sore side from Adrian Hauser. They acquired Chi-Chi uh, Gonzalez and figured things out for him to make a couple of spot starts, and it is what it is. Also, uh, the third thing, speaking of players pitching out of position or at least playing out of position, did you remember that Hunter Renfro played first base this year? Or that Colton Long played shortstop this year? Both of those things happened back in April, very, very early in the season. Uh, Renfro played first base just for one inning in the fourth game of the year. That was in Baltimore, their home opener. The Brewers lost that game 2 to nothing, but due to a variety of pitch hitting and platoons and things of that nature, that Roddy Tellez was in the game, then he was pinch hit for by Lorenzo Cain, and there was a whole saga in that new pitcher, new Renfro Goes from right field to first base because Telez was taken out of the game. Kane moves into center and then Taylor moved to right. So he played one inning at first base. Uh, There was nothing that came to him, per se. There was uh, a bad throw from Willie Adamas. That was a kind of a bang bang play, in my opinion. But Renfro held his own at first. And the other thing was uh, Colton Long in a blowout, losing 10 to 1 to uh, the Cardinals at home in that home opening week. You may not remember Colton Wong playing short, but I promise you remember what happened on that April 15th with Brent Suter on the mound. So he gives up the two-run homer to Nolan Arenado in the top of the ninth inning. It was already 8-1, to now it's 10-1. to He's in a battle with Lars Newtbar, okay? And again, this game's over. It's the top of the ninth inning, right? On the eighth pitch of the at-bat, it's a full count. Newtbar hits a little pop, third base side. Brent Suter goes full steam ahead and crashes into the side, short fencing into the railing, smash his head against the side. Miraculously, I think the shoulder took the brunt of it. He was fine, didn't have a concussion, but out of precautionary reasons, it looked a whole lot worse. Remember this? So Suter just got right back up, tried to convince everybody to stay in the game, but he got pulled. So because of it, they had to bring Mike Brasso into play, uh, into pitch, and they moved Colton Long over to shortstop, because then uh, Willie Adamas was already replaced earlier in this game uh, by Mike Brasso after his last at-bat. So chaos ensued after that play. So reminder that not only did Colton Wong play shortstop for an inning this year, Hunter Renfro played first base for an inning this year. How about some of the other oddities? One that Jason Stark pointed out in his article in The Athletic. Uh, This was pretty wild and had to do with Victor Caratini and the Brewers. Now, we mentioned we remember walk-offs, of course, on the 4th of July. Do you remember prior to Victor Caratini's walk-off there in the bottom of the 10th inning, what he had done to that point in the game? He was 0-4 with four strikeouts. And Jason Stark gives credit where it's due. That's to J.R. Radcliffe of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that Victor Caratini, yes, he had a golden Sombrero to that point in the game, and then he still hits a walk-off homer. He was only the sixth player ever to do something like that in a game, hit... Have a golden sombrero and hit a walk off home run in the same game, but here's the strange but true: he had the strikeout cycle, meaning he struck out on a three and two count, on a two and two count, on a one and two count, and on an zero oh and two count. I love that kind of stuff from Jason Stark, and that happened to the Brewers as well. I don't want to give away the entire article, but you got to check it out. The Athletic, go read Jason Stark. You're missing out if you don't. There's sales all the time. We have athletic big guests. We've had Eno on. We've had Will Salmon back when he worked with the Brewers as well. On So just, just pay for your journalism, y'all. It makes everything so much easier. All right. Uh, let's get ready to wrap up the show here and uh, look ahead to 2023 in just a moment. This is Brewers Weekly. Okay, just about out of time here. Just going to the top of the hour right now. Uh, I'm Domina Catronio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm at Dom underscore C O T. R-O-N-E-O on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at Dom Brewers WTMJ. Same handle for YouTube as well. As we head into 2023, we're 90 days until opening day, 56 days until spring training games. New Year's resolution, man. All I want for the world. Just be nicer to each other, man. There's a lot going on. Can we stop with the incessant tweeting to the Brewers account for spend money, uh, sell the team, da, da, da. just to be nicer, man? Like the social media team doesn't deserve that. I get it. You're frustrated, but let's just be better humans in 2023. Sound good? Then sit back and watch some baseball here coming up as well. My thanks to my homie Justin Pottinger hitting the ones and twos back in Milwaukee, making sure this gets on the air as well. And thank you to you, the listener. We'll be back live. Next week, and if you're listening after the fact here in podcast, remember all of them are posted to Apple Podcasts and to WTMJ.com. I'm Dominic Catronio. Have a happy new year, everybody. See you in 2023, and until then, keep on swinging.